Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. We are so excited to be talking to Heather Showvine today of Mom is in Control podcast. She is the host of this podcast that I am loving, and we are thrilled that she has come on to talk to us today. We are going to go into a wide variety of topics, but first, we're going to start with our face palms and high fives. And I have a face palm today, and it is a collective face palm to Legos. Although I love Legos for my kids, they play with them and love them so much. They are everywhere in my house. I find them in the weirdest places and I step on them all the time. And as we know, this is like running parenting knowledge. It is so painful and my Roomba eats them and that's a disaster. And so I just need to give a little face palm to Legos this week. (laughs) They're bugging me. You get the wrong one in a foot and it's a total face palm for sure. Yes. Excellent. Well, my face palm for today is that my 11-year-old, who up until this point has always thought that I'm cool and she thinks everything I say is funny, she gave me her first look of like, mom, you're embarrassing me. And we were just at a family thing and we were on the grass and I went to like push into crow pose because it's a yoga pose. You guys know I'm obsessed with those things. You know, I'm with family. It isn't like (laughs) I'm in, not like with her friends. And she looks at me and she gives me like a mommy. She gives me this look like you are ridiculous. Anyway, so for the first time, my daughter was embarrassed of me, guys. So that's oh, painful. It's a kind of painful face palm for me. So, oh, painful. I'm sorry. Story oh. of my life. I'm gonna say Heather is right there. All your boys are about at that age. Are they giving you that look? Oh my gosh. I I think I live for the face palms and (laughs) the embarrassing moments. Um, I'm actually going to deliberately give myself a high five this week because I feel like a face palm right now, but the high five is that last week I submitted my manuscript for the book that is coming out in early 2021. And Oh yeah, that brings oh. up all the goodness. Oh, that's, that's so. I, Heather, I saw that you had done that. I saw that on Instagram, and it was very positively emotional, but then also seemed a little like you had some big emotions coming up around it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's you know they say be careful what you wish for because you might actually get it. Right. And then when you get where you want to be in your life. Um, everything that was holding you back comes to the surface, just all the big feels, but I'm sure we're going to get into that today. Interesting. Yes. We can't wait to hear more about that. Well, before we dive in, why don't you tell our listeners, um, kind of just generally about yourself and how you got into speaking and podcasting just a little about you. 
Yeah. So I am the founder or I guess host of the podcast called Mom is in Control. And a lot of people laugh and they're like, I want to feel in control. <laughs> but of course, we teach what we need to learn. And first of all, my dog in the background is just going to go crazy. <laughs> it's little it. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um, his name is Steve. And um, so, okay. So I've been, motherhood was my wake up call. A lot of people go through what I see as motherhood and find their way to back home to themselves or they don't, but it, it really shakes you up. And for me, I became a mom at 18. I was pretty young. And I just remember looking at my son, who's now, well, I have three boys. They're 15, 10, and seven. I just remember looking at him and for whatever reason, thinking, I'm already failing at this. Like, I already did this backwards. And I had this mantra, become the person that you most desire him to be. And it lit a fire under my butt. Mm-hmm. And I decided to just become. And that was, that was like my vision is become. And I remember people looking at me thinking, oh, like kind of downgrading me already. Like, oh, she's going to become a statistic. We know what her future is going to look like. And I don't know if it was the little rebel in me or a little fighter or whatever it was, my feistiness. I'm like, screw you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here to show not proof to the world, but proof to myself that I can become whoever I want to be. So fast forward now married you know, three children or, you know, two more boys later, um, in a very healthy relationship. And that's a whole other podcast episode, but I remember, um, just doing whatever I possibly could. And I was looking around, you know, in our culture for role models. And I also was looking at women who, you know, perceived success, which was, you have this career, you're taking care of your children, you're making this money, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, if, if that's what success is, and if she's getting, you know, pat on the back and she's being labeled a super mom and all these positive things, I'll just look and see what she does. And so I did that and I was investing in myself and I was into personal development and I was into, you know, business mentorship and all of that. And I remember Um, I was also a social worker at the time. So I went to school for social work uh, when my son was young, fell in love with mental health and mindfulness. And then part of this shift was his behavior. So he was starting to show some anxious behaviors, some angry behaviors. And what do you do as a parent when these things pop up? You read the books, right? And you start implementing the resources and the strategies. And my insides were like, not this. Like, do you want to like yell and scream at your children and put them in timeout? Like, this is, this does not feel good to me. Like really? And I just kept asking questions and looking around and I found conscious parenting. And then I realized, Heather, you have these resources, you have access to mental health professionals. Why don't you feel like you're getting anywhere? And so I kind of had to create my own box um, and really helping myself understand what was my child's behavior telling me. And a lot of it was a reflection of my own fear and a projection of my own anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's when I fell in love with meditation and mindfulness. And I kept, then I started teaching that to other families. Literally they were, they were dropping their children off in at my house. Like I would be at home with the kids. I was um, kind of in between work and, um, and school. So they knew I was home and I would get parents knocking on their door. Um, this would be like my son's friends, parents, Mm -hmm. and they would knock on the door and they'd be like, here, can you, can you meditate with so-and-so for 20 minutes? And I'm like, (laughs) what, what is going on here? Um, and yeah, so I left social work and I started my online business And then I just kept talking to parents and they continuously said to me, I feel out of control. I feel out of control. I feel out of control. I don't know what to do. Um, And then while I was building my business six years ago, that changed everything for me. Yeah, that rings so true that that treadmill that we get on as parents, but I think moms, especially that we are on this treadmill that we think is... (laughs) the 
the direction we're supposed to go. It's all the things we're checking all the boxes, but really I hear so many people when they find more peace is that they stepped outside of that and, and identified their own, what they, what they wanted, regardless of what the outside world was telling them to want. Mm -hmm. And also that how it reflects on our children. I think that is, if you want to know what kind of mess you have inside, if you look at <laughs> how your kids are acting, I feel like it's always just a reflection of, yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. And I'm such a, like, I, I'm not a fan of shaming parents. There's a lot of that that goes on in the world, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, look at your child's behavior. And that's terrifying to know that your kids are out in public and you're being judged for their behavior. So I do see us and children as separate, mm -hmm. but they are feeding off of our energy, right? They're feeding off of the home, the energy in the home. If you're anxious and you don't know how to manifest, you know, deal with your anxiety or you don't feel in control of your thoughts and you're just parenting from a very anxious place, your child is going to pick up that anxiety. But you could be the most grounded, centered Zen person, and then your child could have an anxiety disorder. It is not necessarily a reflection or a projection of you. It's one of those things where you're realizing what are they mirroring or triggering inside of me, but also um, what are they dealing with? And it's, you know, a lot of times we're, we're like, my child's success is my success. My child's failure, like there's, we're so intertwined and yet we're two different people. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that philosophy in general because we are independent people. And what you're doing is you're giving parents the freedom. You're liberating them, right? Yeah. From, yes, sometimes our kids do have struggles. The thing I'm getting from what you're saying is I think it's always ourselves is always a good place to start because that is the thing we do have full control of is inside of ourselves, right? So whether or not that manifests in helping, well, always us helping ourselves always helps our children. But you're saying that even if your child still struggles with really big things, we can always start with inside of ourselves and also, but releasing them to know that they are independent people. And there's that factor as well. Is that what you're saying? That we can start inside yeah. of us, but we are also separate people and we're not a direct mirror of if our child makes a bad decision, they're also their own person. Exactly. And it's a relationship, right? And if you think about any relationship in your life, you're two individuals, but yet there is this like interconnectedness. And because of the intimacy of parenting, we have to do both. Mm -hmm. But when you yeah. start to dissect what a lot of people, like even the culture of parenting, right? The over-parenting, the helicoptering, um, I think about what my childhood looked like and not that, you know, it was fabulous and, you know, emotional intelligence and talking about our feelings wasn't typically a thing back then, but you had more freedom to, you know, go to your friend's house down the street and mm -hmm. you didn't have to like, your parents weren't texting each other, trying to coordinate or, you know, fill in these gaps. I mean, the pandemic has kind of supported with people being home more and not so over scheduled, but this overdoing of like, give, 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 give to your children and nothing to yourself has become this cultural epidemic. And then people wonder why they're burnt out and their children are miserable. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's, that's one big point that, that we like to hit on is I, I like to say, think of how your grandma would have parented and not in, again, the emotional right. acknowledgement and all those things aside and and it was a different time. But just to think about the day-to-day -day life, I like to look and, and think, why am I feeling this guilt? My kid is learning so much by playing outside by themselves or having that, that time and that freedom. Their independence is blossoming. And it's so true. We get caught up in this guilt of, but I should be doing more, but I should be doing those flashcards with them, but I should be. And it, again, it is no wonder that so many of us feel just continually exhausted. Yeah. And I, I don't, yeah. And I don't believe exhaustion is, should be the definition for parenting. Like I believe it is incredibly challenging from a personal growth standpoint, because it is always triggering you to look within 
but from a cultural perspective, it doesn't have to be this go, 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 go. And when we, you can identify, when we can identify what are the stories we're telling ourselves? Oh, look, you know, I even think about it's summertime. We have a pool. People want to come over, right? They want to use our pool. Great, fine. But am I sitting there going, okay, now I got to have all these snacks. Now I got to do this. Now I got to do that. And I'm like, why can't you just be? Just be and enjoy yourself. And if the person has a problem with that, that's their issue. It is not yours. And when it comes from the parenting perspective, like someone was over the other day talking about their children not being able to swim yet. Like they're behind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, listen, how about we just let our kids be? That way they will learn. Mm -hmm. You do not need to go put them. Yes, you can put them in swimming lessons. Yes, you can do all of these things. But shaming the child that they don't know how to swim yet when you haven't given them the opportunity to just be and learn, how is that benefiting them? So we're always, like you're saying, we're always thinking like we're behind and yet who are we comparing ourselves to? Mm -hmm. What is that standard? Who are they that we're trying to live up to? Totally. So when we're thinking about that and in that realm, what, what are some of your tips if somebody's coming to you for kind of discovering what are our true desires, us, Mm -hmm. not what is my goal for my kid because we need to remove, remove that. Right. But Mm -hmm. what are our desires for ourselves? And I know that you are passionate about finding the feeling behind the desires to kind of lead you to find that place of groundedness. Um, how do you, how do you direct someone for getting there? Yeah. So I think I should tell the story of what happened six years ago first. Mm -hmm. So people can have an idea of where I'm coming from and why I'm so passionate about this. Mm -hmm. So as I was building my passion business, which was, you know, oh gosh, I found my message, right? Teaching parents about conscious parenting, I was attracting a lot of parents who were so focused on the child's behavior. My child won't listen to me. My child won't sleep. My child won't do this. My child, like the lack mindset of my child, my child, my child. Mm -hmm. And like, listen, there's a relationship here and you matter. Like you matter in this equation. And it wasn't until six years ago, my health was deteriorating rapidly. I was working. I had my boys. My youngest was a year old. I was literally, I'd sit at my desk like this and I would breastfeed and then, you know, get on an interview and just do it all. And people were like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And what was happening was my body was sending me symptoms. It was saying, Heather, I need your attention. Heather, I need your attention. And the story I kept telling myself in my mind was, I don't have time. And I hear this all the time from women. I've even said it myself and you just have to catch yourself. I don't have time. I'm not a priority, which is what I was saying. I don't matter. So I continue to neglect myself to the point where I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. My abdomen was so swollen. I looked like I was pregnant, but that in all fairness, that grew rapidly. I wasn't in denial that much. Um, but my abdomen was a little swollen. And by the time I went to the doctor, was diagnosed and started traditional treatment, which was in a few weeks span, I just blew up like a balloon mm-hmm. because it was these were rapid growing tumors in my abdomen. Wow. And I don't know if it like it was stage four, I don't know if it would have been stage one. Um if I would have paid attention so much, I almost feel like there was something bigger at play that was like, we need to kick her ass because she Mm -hmm. won't listen to us. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I was diagnosed, I, you know, doing all this personal development work, I was a huge fan of Danielle Laporte, which is the, her concept of the desire map, which was how do you want to feel? And it's the feeling that you're after. The reason why you want that bigger house. Why do you want that bigger house? Because you want space. Okay, cool. You can get the bigger house, but also give yourself the space that you need now. Don't wait until then. 
So when I was diagnosed, it was almost like this permission slip to actually consider my needs. And I see this all the time with women. And I'm, I, I'm just like, why do we have to wait until crisis in order to wake up? So then I started asking myself, well, Heather, how do you want to feel? Well, I want to feel energized and alive. I don't want to feel dead. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how do you want to feel? So I'm sitting there getting treatment, no energy. How do I want to feel? How do I want to feel? And I started um, just taking these little tiny baby steps towards how I wanted to feel. And it would be things like, who am I surrounding myself with? Like, oh, that person calling me or texting me is treating me like I'm dying already. I don't want them in my energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what food am I putting into my body? How am I speaking to my children? How am I speaking to my husband? And I just, started putting everything through this filter of, is this in alignment? Does it feel good to me? And if it didn't, then I had to ask myself, is this just temporary discomfort, like resistance, like when you're working out and you just need to do something to get to the other side? Or is this just like a hell no, like wrong turn, turn around. Mm -hmm. So everything that didn't feel good, I just slowly stopped doing it and getting back in alignment with myself And what I noticed was, guess what? I stopped yelling. I felt I was fine. Like, you know, to be able to do this interview, have my kids around the dog barking and not be phased, Mm -hmm. like that is what this alignment was doing for me. Mm -hmm. And so I started teaching women this way, like Heather, I, I don't feel in control. I don't feel in control. I'm like, it's not about the kids. Yes, they're there. We can manage the behavior and we'll talk about that, but you matter and you need to work on you too. Totally. That's so beautiful, Heather. Oh my goodness. I love that. I think that a lot of mothers don't look there. They don't start there because it's the hardest place (laughs) to start. Mm -hmm. And it, it really requires getting super uncomfortable for a lot of people And questioning, am I just living my day-to-day life doing things that I absolutely hate and are stressing me out and making me really grumpy and I'm not taking time for myself? And I think what's magical, at least for me, and I feel like it's often multiple times a year that I have to check in and change these these desires and the feelings we want change all the time, depending on our phase of life. And when I check in and remap out what I want, I realize all those day-to-day things that I have to do don't change, but my feeling behind them changes because, I mean, to put it simply, my bucket is full mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not stressed out by those outside things. Yeah. So Heather, could you break that down for us? If you were to break it down into steps in this kind of taking control of your life, tapping into that feeling, are you saying you start with what you want, then you tap into how it's going to make you feel. And then you mm-hmm. practice tapping into that space now. Is that how, if you were break it down into steps, is that you would say, or is there something that you'd add to that kind of where to start? If somebody's listening to you and they're thinking, oh my goodness, yes, that is resonating with me. Mm-hmm. And they want to take a couple steps on their own to see how that feels. How would you instruct them? Yeah, this is a great question. And I feel like a, a lot of the feedback that I've received, especially in my coaching, is people appreciate that because they're like, you're so practical. And I find a lot of information out there, we're like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But then we don't know how, right? Like I remember the concept of meditation felt so overwhelming to me. And it was simply just close your eyes and breathe. And they're like, oh my gosh, no. So before I even talk about the steps, I just want to say this is incredibly uncomfortable. It is not hard. I do not believe things are hard. I actually uh, posted something about Glennon Doyle and was like, I love Glennon Doyle from Untamed. Mm-hmm. And the saying of we can do hard things. I said, I don't believe it's hard. I think it's the feeling that is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So when you, when we're so conditioned to believe that everything is hard, everything is hard, like that feels heavy to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it is easy to, to get a journal out and to take a pen and write 
it is uncomfortable to feel the messiness of that. So just be mindful of that. Allow it to be messy. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I do, and depending on where you're at, I find a lot of women will say, I don't know what I want. So if you do not know what you want, write out a list of what you don't want. We all know what we don't want list, right? I don't want to yell. I don't want to feel like crap in my body. Um, I don't want to feel disconnected in my relationship. I don't want to worry about money anymore. I don't want to um, get short with my kids, blah, blah, blah. Like just keep saying what you don't want. And then look at that list and write the opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't want to feel, if you don't want to yell at your kids, what do you want? I want to, I want to be able to have to be, I want to be able to sit in the discomfort when they don't listen to me. I want to have the confidence to know how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, you know, so now you're writing down the opposite and then ask yourself, what is the feeling that you're after? And you've probably said it confidence peaceful, calm. And then the next um, step is to go, okay, let's just take one word. We don't need to overcomplicate this. Confident. Um, What, when did I feel confident in my life? And maybe you've never felt this way before, or maybe you have, it could just be, and maybe it was like one instance, like one moment in time, five minutes of your whole existence, you felt confident. You're going to have to think it might not come to you. What were you wearing? What were you doing? How did you feel in your body? What was different? And I'll hear a lot of women say, well, this was before children. And I'm like, awesome. I get that we're living in a different time now. Like you are a different person. You have different responsibilities, but it doesn't mean you need to get rid of everything and run away, but you can start to sprinkle in a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. And so something as simple as I'm going to go and buy myself a new outfit, or I'm going to get that haircut that I want, or okay, this is really sad and I can't believe I'm going to share this story. (laughs) This was early on in my parenting years and I had a friend, she was single, had no children and she was moving and I was helping her pack and we were going through her bras and underwear and she, she had so much because she was a shopaholic. She (laughs) gave me so many of her used underwear. It was disgusting. (laughs) And I wore them. I wore them because I had Walmart granny panties because I wouldn't even give myself permission to buy new nice underwear. Isn't that disgusting? The single lady undies versus the mom undies. Exactly. We all know. Exactly. (laughs) But I mean, it was a representation of one, the lack of investment that I was unwilling to make in myself Mm -hmm. for literally, I, I mean, gosh, I probably could have spent 50 bucks and just got a few pairs of underwear and, but putting those undies on, I would feel so much better right? Better, cleaner, well put together. So of course I'm putting on these underwear. I'm like disgusted with myself. I'm like, these are someone else's underwear. Of course they were in good shape, whatever. Some had tags on it, but I'm like, these are mine. And I'm like, Heather, it's about the investment. Like go buy your own dang underwear. Mm-hmm. So I remember throwing them out. My husband was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> throwing them out <laughs> and going to buy myself underwear because it was in alignment with how I wanted to feel. Now, the discomfort of actually doing that was intense. Mm -hmm. The guilt of leaving the house, the guilt of spending money on myself, but I did it. I did it anyways to break that mental pattern and that cycle. And then, you know, I would wear the underwear and at first I'm like, I can't feel it. Right. I feel, I still feel guilty. But then after I'm like, I'm feeling better. And then, so I kept doing little things like that, like taking a bath, going for that walk. Like it didn't have to be this all or nothing mentality. And slowly I felt like I was coming back to life and I was getting more in alignment. And then the ROI for me was how I was treating my children because they were kind of that barometer of if I, my cup was full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you hear, you hear so many moms say that I mean, I feel this weight of guilt if I even go to the grocery store or, yeah. you know, I have to I or shower, like shower. I know a lot of people who feel oh, so guilty about yes, showering. Yes. Like I have to ask my, you know, my husband if I can do X, Y, Z, but, but I don't, 
he, he doesn't ask, like, why doesn't he feel that guilt? I feel like it's something that weighs so heavily on moms and even the, oh, but my kid, when I take a shower, what are they going to do? You know, that feeling of every, the perfectionism of everything is in control. We're going to control everything and, and it is up to us is, I think it weighs so heavily on most moms and it's that uncomfortable feeling of breaking out of that box that a lot of people, that's what stops them from discovering what could bring them those feelings that they want. Heather, I love your story of the underwear because it's so, it's so sad. <laughs> no, it's so good. We all have those stories, but it's yeah. so good because it's something that, you know, most of the time other people aren't seeing. So it's so like indicative of how we feel about ourselves, mm-hmm. something that only really affects us and maybe like another person. Mm-hmm. But I just love it. It's, it's a good representation of how we feel about mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about like a morning routine. My kids aren't even a part of my morning routine, right? Yes. But it only affects me. And because of that, it does actually affect everybody else. Mm-hmm. But it's a good metaphor for so much of parenting mm-hmm. that we do these things. We give ourselves permission to care for ourselves. And in return, it actually is way better for the people around mm-hmm, us, mm-hmm. but it starts with something that usually other people don't see. So I love that story. It's such a good metaphor for so mm-hmm. much of this discovering of yourself and giving you permission to care for yourself. So thanks for sharing that. That's a good one. That's a really no good problem. I got lots of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's all about that intention that we have for our life. And it's really, um, like you said, the, the perception of doing it all. And, and that's a good mom. I found for me that when I started to live from a more intentional place that I was doing a ton less, did you find that? Yeah, that would be me now. So, you know, I'll get questions like intentionally we've, I've been at this for 15 years and, you know, I, I just become so disconnected with the, um, the culture of motherhood, because I do not identify with the victim and martyr syndrome that is out there. I actually think it is a silent killer, and I think it is doing way more harm than good. Um, Amen. And, yeah, and it's it's just it's you know people will send memes and they'll joke around, and I'm like, I know what you're saying under the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's the sad part because we're going to laugh about it. We're going to be like, oh my gosh. And I just, I'm like, if it's not today, it's going to be when your children move out and you look in the mirror and go, who am I? And you're going to feel like it's too late and there's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And so reverse, reversing that and going, what is the life that I want to live? Um, there's a lot of things that I don't do now. Um, like I don't do a lot of the cooking, even though I enjoy, I'm not like a cook, but like, you know, there's an art to it. So there's something fun, but my husband and I are very co-parents and it's taken us a long time to get there. Um, he works inside of, he works in my company now, you know, he used to have a nine to five. So there is a lot of freedom in my life that I have intentionally created and it's taken a very long time to get there. But if he, if this wasn't my lifestyle, I would have created it differently. Like if I was a single parent, it's like make enough money. And if you don't know how to make money, just learn, right? Rather than saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't just be curious to possibilities of how you can. And to say, this is not sustainable. So there's so many opportunities for women and the ones I mean, I work with women in all walks of life, but even ones working in corporate saying, this is not sustainable. This is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. The work that I'm really teaching women is to take back their power. And I did not realize, um, especially writing the book, the patriarchy around expectations of who we need to be and who the world expects us to be. But something as simple as saying, this is not sustainable. And it's not really because I have children. Um, you know, all women here are struggling with the capacity of what you want us to do. How about we lead and we put our input and we give our voice, but we're, we're becoming so reactionary and we're not being proactive. And when I see women being proactive, it is, it blows my mind, the impact that they can make, but we just have to start Mm -hmm. thinking that way. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I feel that is so true. And I, and I do see it um, just in our world in general. Also in men, I feel like they are also extremely stressed and pushing, but then you layer when, when you're a mother. So this, this can broadly also apply to parenting in general, if you are, you know, a father who takes that role, but mostly with mothers, it's that we are not only doing that, but then we're also being a mom, which a lot of the times is taking up most of our day. We can't increase those hours (laughs) in our day, but then we're also trying to fit in working in quotes, whatever that means for you, full-time, a whole nother full-time day. And that's where I see so many close friends, colleagues, just becoming completely burnout. And I think they feel like they have to do all those. They have to do all those things to be successful. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a, it's this invisible expectation and pressure of who we need to be in the world. But if we just stop and say, is this who I want to be in the world? And I don't want to say rebel, but, you know, ha- like be courageous enough to say, I am not doing all the dishes before I go to bed and just sit okay. there with the discomfort of the dishes in the sink. And if somebody gives you shit for it, say, well, it would be nice, you know, if, if you could help or let's figure out a system collectively or cut back on half your dishes so you're not wasting as much. You're not getting as many dirty. Get paper plates and don't feel bad about it. Exactly. (laughs) And just think outside the box Mm -hmm. of, okay, this is not working. So instead of trying to work something that isn't working, just stop and reassess. But we have to be able to do that ourselves. Nobody is going to bang on our door and rescue us. Oh, I love that. That's a quotable (laughs) sentence right there. Can you tell us, Heather, as you're, as you're speaking, I'm thinking, I mean, after your experience with cancer and you're cutting back and use the word aligning, I love that kind of taking away things that are less important and focusing on the things that are important. In that time, you still have developed a thriving business and written a book. I mean, it isn't like you just stopped doing things. So can you give us another, I mean, I know you said you gave a few examples there of you know, you've now shared the, it sounds like you've shared with your husband cooking meals and things like that, but can you, I'm trying to get a glimpse of, does it come down to for you just as simple as you just schedule out your day and don't do, don't like keep on your plate, all the other things that are floating in your mind? Cause how, how are you accomplishing so much while still cutting back and keeping that calm because from the outside, it's, you're like, you're accomplishing amazing things. And I love that. And I think there's a lot of people out there listening to you who think how it's not, you know, you've, you've kept your ambition intact, which is so cool. So mm-hmm. can you give us a little more there? I'm like wanting a little more of how to, how does that look to cut back and still keep accomplishing? And it, it could come down to just simple tools of time, time management. I don't know. But what would you say is like a key to that? Yeah, this is a great question because I'm more successful now than um, I was before I got sick. And I will tell you, it was all an inner game. Mm. So I'm uncomfortable a lot. And what I mean by that is I, instead of running away from fear or guilt, like the things that make me uncomfortable, I run towards them. Mm. So um, I'm a huge advocate of high leverage action. So when I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about what do I want to accomplish, right? I know how I want to feel. I want to feel amazing. I want to feel energized. I want to feel connected. We want to feel all these things. First of all, it's never perfect. Um, I'm always wanting progress, not perfection. So I will, um, there is something I teach called energetic time management, and it's more about your energy rather than your time. And, you know, I'll plan out my week in general, just so that I'm not waking up going, what do I want to do today? Right? Like I do have a general plan, but I might execute 10% of it. There's not, you know, it's not a hundred percent. I, I do not expect perfection from myself. Um, but the inner work of the fear. So the book, for example, I, for years was beating myself up going, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. I want to write a book. People are now bugging me for a book. 
but I am, I did not, I'm beginning to learn. I did not identify as a writer. I identify as a speaker, as a podcaster. I could talk all day, every day, but the thought of sitting in front of my computer and writing felt daunting to me. So I hired a writer and then I felt shame around that. Like I failed. And then when I went into the industry, um, you know, from agents and stuff saying, Heather, everybody has a writer. I'm like, really? Why don't they say that out loud? Yeah. Ghost, <laughs> ghost writers are a thing. I'm like, why am I the only one willing to speak the truth when people are like, oh yeah, it took me three years to write this book. And then you find out they have a writer. So <laughs> it just, it blows my mind, like the perception of reality. So I, I hired a writer and of course, I had to get my business to a point where I could hire a writer. Um, it's very expensive to publish a book by yourself, but I also decided to do that um, by myself because, again, the industry just want who knows? The book might end up somewhere else, but they were like, no, we want to change your message. And I'm like, no, I do not want you to change my message. That's the whole point of speaking your truth. Mm -hmm. um, so I hired this writer, and what I found out was, of course, all my inner stuff that was coming up is this was a collaborative effort. And this taught me a lot about being a woman and being a mother. I would have done this book and this message a huge disservice to pretend that I could do it all myself. And it brought me back to the idea of, you know, we need a village and we can't do it alone and all the things that women don't believe and Western culture, which is so individualized. And she pulled this book out of me. She was like a midwife. Like she just, you know, helped me birth this. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely uncomfortable and there was resistance and, but she kept me on target, right? We had a, we had a, um, a schedule, we stuck to the schedule and I've just, that is kind of what I've done is what do I want to learn? Where am I? What's in front of me? Who has done that already? How can they help me? And it could be something as simple as looking at my friends and colleagues and going, hey, how did you get your kids to do this? Or, hey, um, you're really good at cooking. Can you teach me like a quick meal thing? Like I just look at people who have their strengths and I ask them for help. And I've also had to ask or learn how to ask for exactly what I need. So you know, I could text my husband right now or one of my kids when well, my kids don't have phones, but I, if I'm really, really thirsty and I, you know, I can't get water. I'm like, can you please bring me a glass of water? Can you open the door for me? Like just really learning to say, what do I need and who can help me with that? Mm -hmm. And that has been the biggest game changer and just sitting with the guilt, sitting with the guilt and the fear. People are like, how do you get over these things? I'm like, I don't know. I'll tell you when I figure that out. And Hold on. yeah. And a lot of the quote unquote successful people that I have, you know, talked to and met, they're like, you don't get over this stuff. You're managing it. Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, I know guilt is not my truth. It's just a feeling. It's an emotion. So you got to learn to feel, you have to learn to feel comfortable with discomfort. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could sit by my pool and feel guilty and go, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Oh, I should invite this person over. I should do that. Oh, the laundry is not done. Oh, this, this, this. Or I could say, Heather, you're going to put a damn timer on your phone and you're sitting here for an hour and then you're going to force yourself to go in the pool with the kids and just be. So it's forcing yourself to live in alignment with how you want to feel. And then eventually your brain kicks in and goes, oh, I get it now. Okay. Yeah. This isn't scary. Mm -hmm. And you just, you have to learn how to work with your primal brain. Mm -hmm. Oh, Heather, I'm loving as you're speaking, this kind of courage is the kind of courage I feel like that changes the world when we can admit that we don't do it all at once. Oh my goodness. You just get permission you're giving yourself permission to feel guilt and then still do be present. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just love that. Oh my goodness. I'm like, Oh, I'm. And I think giving women the permission or, or just saying out loud. And I've said this before that. Yeah. Sometimes just sitting, well, a lot of times, all the time for me, just being with my kids, sitting there playing with them 
is not the thing that I want to do in that moment. But if I can just acknowledge that it's, it is uncomfortable and hard for me. Yeah. And sometimes I honestly do set a timer because the intention for me is to be and connect with them. And I want to feel that feeling. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is really uncomfortable and I don't really like it, but it helps me get into that pattern. So I think that's huge. Just acknowledging that some of the things that the perception that we see, especially, you know, social media comparison that people are living these perfect lives is a lot of the times not real. And they are in it, in this uncomfortable state. We all have to go through uncomfortable things. It's not just happy all the time. Yeah. I call it the brave zone because I always think back to like, how do how do I want to be remembered by my children? But it doesn't come from a place of people pleasing, right? Like mm -hmm. I'll hear women say things like, okay, I have it on the calendar that I'm going to hang out with this child this day, this child this day. I'm like, no, but listen, are you going to look back on your summer and go, I oh, mean, I didn't go in that pool once because I was afraid to put a bathing suit on. Mm -hmm. or it's like, just put the bathing suit on. Your kids aren't judging you. Who fucking cares? Mm -hmm. And just mm -hmm. sit with your discomfort of being in that suit and being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to feel that feeling of peace and calm and connection and being in the moment in that moment. Mm -hmm. But if you keep doing it again and again and again and again, eventually your resistance will leap, like let up and you could just be. Mm -hmm. But the reason why people don't do this stuff is because it's uncomfortable and we've been taught not to feel. And we've been taught that feelings are bad. And yet when I'm sitting there pushing through my discomfort and my guilt and my resistance, and then my teenager comes to me and he's having a conversation about what do I want to be when I'm older? And I'm like, you're not even 16 yet. Like, who cares? Like my people, my age are still trying to figure that out. Like, I think that's the age old question, but then I can connect with him instead of having coming from this fear-based place of like, Oh my God, he's lost. He doesn't know what he wants or he doesn't know what I'm like, yeah, I'm right there with you. And then we have like an intimate conversation about feelings and thoughts and life. And that is connection. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to solve his problems. I could just be here to hold space and guidance and it is true when people are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just do the next right thing in front of me, but this is life. But when we think we can become robots and, you know, auto check everything without feeling, you're missing the point. Oh, that's so beautiful. One of our themes of life is to lean into it. And what you're describing is the perfect example of that. You're just leaning in to the discomfort and the feeling and what it's giving you is a, it's, it's allowing space for connection. You keep returning to that concept of connection. And I think of all needs that we humans have, connection is right there at the top. And so I love it that as we lean into the discomfort, that's actually what allows us to have connection with people that we love. Whereas if we're resisting that fear all the time, that does, that gets in the way in our conversations with our children. They can feel that, but then it's just overcome by fear because we're pushing mm -hmm. away, pushing away. Mm -hmm. So, oh my goodness, Heather, I love that. Thank and you. I think your tip to look at the feeling really dissolves the illusion that we have all control of the outcome. And at least for me, it makes me realize if I can hit that feeling, there's many ways I can get to that feeling. But when we hold on to one concrete thing that must happen, I think it's just a recipe for disappointment. So that feeling helps us get there without the outcome having to be one exact thing, which I think is really freeing when you think about it that way. Yeah. So, so Heather, we could talk to you all day long, but we want to be mindful <laughs> of your time. So I wanted to ask you our question that we ask every guest, which is what is one habit that you have that is a game changer and helps you find the magic in your everyday life? And this can be a little thing or a big thing. Oh man. So I, Actually, this morning, if I'm being completely honest, one habit that I have developed as of late is making food a priority. Um, mm -hmm. Food has always been an interesting journey for me, and but fueling my body first with food. If I work out, that is a secondary, like non-negotiable. 
Mm -hmm. Fueling my body properly has been an absolute game changer. Mental, my mental health, my emotional health. um, It's been really interesting. And yeah, I didn't realize because again, culturally, it's so acceptable for women not to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but to fuel your body properly, I'm like, dang, I feel like I go walk on water. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a priority on food prep, kind of making sure that you're actually eating. Cause yeah, as moms, it's like, whoa, it's three. I haven't eaten lunch. Mm-hmm. So just making sure they prioritize those meal times, proper fuel. I love that. What is and that? Just like? a balanced plate. Um, I've been counting macros lately, mm-hmm. but, and I have somebody supporting me with that. Um, but the reason why I'm doing it is just because my body, like I'm trying to get stronger and healthier. Um, but I've had to get to the point where again, creating the investment of time to meal prep as I'm physically prepping my food, I have a story in my head that's saying, like, it's just for me, right? Nobody Mm -hmm. else wants to eat my vegetables or whatever. So I'm not really prepping, like we'll meal prep a whole bunch of things and then just kind of throw food together for the kids, whether it's like chicken, rice, whatever. But I'm like being very mindful of that. And it makes me incredibly uncomfortable because it's just for me. It's Mm -hmm. just for me. It's not stressful. It's not stressful. It's just for me. (laughs) It's not hard. It's just uncomfortable because I have to deliberately create the space too. So I'll even put timers on my phone. Mm-hmm. Time to eat, time to eat. I look at my calendar and I will physically block out, eat, 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 eat. And the reason why I do that is because I'm trying to really ingrain that habit in my brain. But if I tell myself I don't have time for this, that means there's way too much on my plate. Right. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's such a good place to start with our health, what we're putting inside of us. And I love that you're just feeling that discomfort and then doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. It's like the perfect reminder for women to take that time. All right, Heather. Well, I think we need to have you on again. This has been so fun to chat. Thank you for taking the time with us today. This has been amazing. I love these intimate conversations. Thank you, ladies. And can you, Heather, also tell for our listeners who I'm sure want more from you, tell them where the best places to find you. Yeah. So I hang out a lot on the podcast. It's called mom is in control. You can find that anywhere. Um, Instagram is just my name at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N underscore, um, or my website, heatherchauvin.com. Perfect. And we'll link all of that in our show notes. Well, thank you, Heather. And thanks everyone for listening. Let's find the magic. Brown cows. <laughs> <laughs>